Again, haven't watched the tape, so it's hard for me. Uh, and even when you ask me on Monday, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but uh, just full disclosure, I mean, I, we've got to coach these guys. Welcome to another episode of Daily Northwestern's football podcast. Northwestern traveled to Wisconsin last Saturday, came away empty-handed in a 33-24 loss. This coming Saturday, a date with number four Penn State Loons in the Wildcats homecoming game. We're here to talk about all of that and more. I'm Max Schumann, game editor at The Daily and your host today. I'm joined by Max Gilman and Ben Pope to talk about these things. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, Max. Ben Pope finally making an appearance on the podcast editor, waiting longingly. It's been a, it's been a long ride, but uh, <laughs> we're finally here in this coveted position. Many, many bushel baskets. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back on track here and uh, start by talking about the game that was last weekend against Wisconsin. So Northwestern took a 10-7 lead in the half and looked pretty good, I guess, pretty good early, but a few lapses on defense, stagnant offense for most of the second half. Northwestern found itself in a 31-10 hole with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Cats scored a couple of late touchdowns to get back in it. They actually had the ball with a minute about a minute left, a chance to score a tying touchdown with a 90-yard miracle drive, which would have been frustrating for anyone who was writing stories about the game, but would have been exciting for Cats fans. But Clayton Thorson bailed us all out by taking a safety at the end of the game to seal the deal. So, weird game overall, I thought. What were your guys' takeaways from the weekend in Madison? Well, I think other than the third quarter, it was a very strong performance, as, as Pat Fitzgerald noted in yesterday's press conference. And the Cats gave up a couple big plays to Alex Hornibrook in the passing game, which is pretty inexcusable considering Alex Hornibrook is not that good, and completed only 11 passes on the day. Um, but his longest ones were, were really the difference in breaking the game open. Jonathan Taylor had another solid game but wasn't uh, anything unstoppable. And for the first half, Hornibrook was really shut down. It looked like he might have been a little banged up. The Cats were getting a pass rush, which they hadn't done too much earlier this season. And then that sort of fell apart in the third quarter. They got it back in the fourth quarter, but it was just too little too late. Gilman, what did you think of the game? Yeah, that third quarter really screwed everything up for Northwestern. I think Ben touched upon it a little. Uh, Fitz was very aggravated after the game about... He was not, testy. He was extremely Testy was, was the testy. word that we would use. Even cantankerous, some would say. About I wouldn't say. Well, I almost said. <laughs> about his team's performance... Just really uh, not putting together the full 60 minutes. Basically said that they fell asleep at the wheel for about 18 to 20 minutes in the third quarter or start of the fourth quarter. Letting Alex Hornibrook let loose, which is not something that we've ever seen. I don't think anyone's ever seen that. Um, but yeah, eh. it was... He's been pretty good this season. BYU saw it. That, yeah, that, that third <laughs> quarter basically... Being a little tough on Alex Hornerbrook, but okay. Carry, I mean, carry on. Carry on. Yeah, that, that third quarter basically ruined what otherwise could have been a very productive day for the Wildcats. So let's start by focusing on one side of the ball and then going to the other. We'll start with the defense because I think that was the more positive part for Northwestern. Overall, I, I thought watching the game, even given the big plays that they allowed in the third quarter, they held Wisconsin to like about five yards per play, which is pretty good given Wisconsin after this game is averaging six and a half so that means coming into the game they were like seven or so per play which is very good 
Northwestern held it a five. The bomb from Hoyerberg to Cephas was a 61-yarder that happened just because of, like, one miscommunication. It wasn't a talent. They weren't out-talented on that play. If you take that play out, they held Wisconsin to, like, four yards of play, which is, like, Boston College offense territory. The defense played a, a pretty uh, a pretty strong game, I thought, overall. What did you guys think on that side of the ball? Yeah, the defense, again, except for the third quarter, played really, really well. They shut down, completely shut down the passing game in the first half. The freshman, Jonathan Taylor, found some holes a little bit. He scored two touchdowns, I think, had around, like, 85 rushing yards. One miscommunication between Godwin Iguabuque and Trey Williams in the third quarter, letting Hornerbrook throw for that 61-yard pass really just had Northwestern on their heels for the rest of the third quarter. I went back and watched that play uh, recently in preparation for this podcast, and it looked like there was a route out to the flat and the deep post that Cephas was running, and Godwin was covering that flat route like pretty tightly. But Trey Williams, who was on that side of the field and should have carried uh, Cephas down the field, like hesitated and stepped out towards the flat route for like no reason and let Cephas run right by him, um, which ended up being the difference in that play. So that's how that went down. But yes, a miscommunication that kind of broke the game open. And as Fitz said, that was a rep that they had practiced that week. So he was ex- extra angry about that, extra cantankerous, as some might say. That was a, yes, that was, that's not a, not a great look for you to blow coverage on a play that you knew was coming. I think that the play was sort of emblematic of what's plagued Northwestern secondary this year for all of their injury problems, especially earlier in the season and issues shutting down players like Daniel Jones. They've really been pretty solid on most plays. It's just the occasional play that they get blown up on that is really the difference right now. I think for the most part, it was a pretty good performance by the cornerbacks and safeties, forcing three turnovers in the first half, uh, including on the first play of the game, uh, stripping Jazz Peavy. It's the second consecutive week that a cornerback has forced a fumble. I think the uh, secondary is coming around some, but uh, it's just the occasional big play that's really hurting them. Otherwise, I think that, as Fitzgerald noted yesterday, the linebackers have been a, a pleasant surprise, perhaps a quiet surprise so far. Patty Fisher has held down the middle linebacker role vacated by Anthony Walker admirably well, and Nate Hall and Brett Walsh have have been mostly solid. I wouldn't say that they've been any headline-writing group, but they've been, for the most part, respectable, and I think that's more than we expected coming into the season. I think they haven't screwed anything up yet, which is why no one's talking about it. Which I wrote, is a good thing for Northwestern. Obviously. I wrote before the before this game about the run, like Wisconsin's run game and how Northwestern might be challenged with that. It's not like they Northwestern's played kind of some weak opponents, before Wisconsin and has not been like a great run defense team. The way that they played the run, they held Wisconsin to about 100 yards, even before you consider sacks on the ground, which I think is a very good mark for them. It's like a good sign that they have talent, especially because that's the, like, Wisconsin is better than most teams that they'll be facing for the rest of the season, but they'll be facing teams that want to run the ball. So it's encouraging. That was probably the most encouraging part to me, that they didn't get steamrolled defensively against the run. Yeah, they'll have their hands full with Barkley this week, but they will, and we will we will get to that in a moment. Let's switch uh, sides of the ball here. So, if Northwestern's defense, if we agree Northwestern's defense had a good game, how do we feel about the way the offense played overall? Eh. Great we got it. We got an eh, eh. from Gelman. These are kind the takes. Of, these are the takes that people come to us for. Kind kind of eh. They. 
they showed, I think, what they're capable of in the fourth quarter if they run the true no-huddle offense. But to start the game, they were just absolutely miserable. Even including a strong end to the game, Northwestern averaged like three yards of play on offense, yeah. which is below Boston College level. <laughs> That's very, very poor uh, overall. It just didn't seem like they could get anything going. Ben. I think there was just too much reliance on the run game. Justin Jackson was banged up. The offensive line, we know, is a big weakness in this team, and they were facing arguably the most physical, tough defense in the conference. I just don't understand why they were so insistent on trying to get the running game going, especially in the first half. Jeremy Larkin had a few good plays, but Justin Jackson wasn't really able to get anything going. And even Larkin, despite having uh, some bright spots, only finished with about like 40 yards. I think if they had gone more to the passing game like they did in the fourth quarter and tried to spread Wisconsin out that way, because I think we can all agree that Wisconsin is more of a, a physical team than an athletic team defensively. That was the method they should have gone to earlier, even if it meant sort of giving up on the run a little prematurely. I will say that I sort of discount the way that the fourth quarter went just because you're, you're up three scores. It's kind of garbage time, yards and stuff. That's um, fair, but I think the passing game was still more successful than the running game, even in the first half. Wisconsin also teed off on Clayton Thorson, which was a topic of discussion after the game in the press conference. Eight sacks in total on the game, including the safety that almost officially ended the game. So I would say the offensive line didn't have a great day. What do you guys think of that development? They fell asleep at halftime. Only, only two of the sacks came in the first half. Again, just this whole disastrous third quarter where literally everything went wrong. Clayton Thorson had no time to throw. The running backs had no time to make any moves, find any room. They had, I think, the, their first three drives in the third quarter went for two, four, and six yards, and they punted on all three of them. And it was just miserable to watch. Clayton's taken some heat for maybe holding on to the ball too long, and I think that's probably part of it. Uh, he said so himself, but I think a lot of it falls on the offensive line, probably more than he and Fitz is willing to admit at this point. I think that really all of Northwestern's offensive issues in this game stem back to the offensive line. They were admittedly given an extremely tough matchup against Wisconsin, but I think it's it's still a big worrying point continuing forward, especially in a conference like the Big Ten that has a lot of great lines on both sides of the ball on all teams, basically. I take a little bit of issue with the people who were talking about Clayton holding onto the ball too long. He had no time to do anything. There wasn't much he could do. Like, if you're trying to make the argument that he's being forced out of the pocket and doesn't throw the ball away, that I can sort of see, especially with the safety where he's just running around the end zone for no reason. But, like, if you... If, if your offensive line is literally Swiss cheese, then there's nothing you can do in terms of throwing the ball away. I think my rule of thumb, I'm a fan of the Chicago Bears, a professional football franchise. I've seen a lot I've seen a lot of quarterbacks getting sacked a lot um, in my many years as a miserable Chicago Bears fan. And my rule of thumb generally with that, usually my rule of thumb is to blame half the sacks on the offensive line and half the sacks on the quarterback. So about I, I, I put my blame like equally on both sides. I think the offensive line is obviously a concern, especially, and I think the more important thing is how they were unable to get anything going on the run, like on the ground. Obviously, Wisconsin's a very good defense and definitely a very good run defense, but Northwestern, when they have games where they can't run the ball at all, 
those are the games where they really truly struggle on offense. When they managed 80 yards on the ground, but when you uh, don't account for sacks, which for some reason count for rushing yards in college football, but that's another issue. The offensive line definitely had troubles. I also think that that Clayton Thorson isn't necessarily a quarterback that can elevate above that problem. Well, there was one moment, uh, it might have been in the third quarter, I think, where it was third down, uh, which were a huge problem for Northwestern all day. And Wisconsin clearly had a linebacker up on the line on the left, uh, well, Clayton's right side, clearly blitzing. Clearly, there was no one there to pick him up. I'm not sure if it was a play call issue or if it was Clayton not fully reading the defense and motioning someone over to pick him up. But one way or another, I could see before the play that he was going to get sacked by this player. And then approximately two seconds after the snap, he was sacked by this player. So I think there was just some sort of breakdown. Maybe it was on all parties to just fail to to really deal with the pass rush that Wisconsin was sending at them all day. Just to wrap up this conversation about Northwestern's loss to Wisconsin. Northwestern came in the season kind of as a dark horse in the Big Ten West. Loss to the Badgers obviously makes that a little bit of a challenge. Do you guys think that there is any chance, even a minuscule chance, that Northwestern could still win the Big Ten West? All of Wisconsin's linemen get hurt. Well, I think it would first involve beating Penn State, which, according to ESPN, they have a 14% chance of doing. Then they would probably need to run the table from then out, considering how Wisconsin is unlikely to drop more than one game. I guess they might need to drop two at the tiebreaker, but I think it's a it's an uphill road. I don't think we should really be thinking about it too much at this point. Right now, the goal should just be to, to get back on track. So let's uh, let's put a lid on last week's game, um, and I want to actually change gears a little bit to not talk about Penn State, but instead to focus on one player, and that player is Justin Jackson. So Justin Jackson came out of the Wisconsin game with like 25 yards in that game. Fitz talked about in the press conference afterwards that he's a little banged up, which has kind of been known for the last couple of weeks. I think it was first mentioned after the Duke game. Ben. Yes. So Justin Jackson is dealing with some kind of leg issue that they're understandably being vague about because he's a very important part of the team. But he also is chasing history a little bit, Northwestern history at least. He is currently 84 rushing yards from the career rushing yardage record for Northwestern. If he manages to get that amount, which he will before the end of the season unless some catastrophic injury happens, he'll pass Damian Anderson for the record. Tim Bulk our very own, uh, my fellow game day editor, he's working out a feature on Jackson that'll come out this week, kind of contextualize that achievement and also talk about what Jackson mean, means for the program as possibly the best running back to ever come through. For now, from you guys, do you think that Jackson potentially getting this record, is this a big deal? Yes. Well, I think it's safe to say it's a big deal. I would go out on a limb and say he's not the best running back to ever play for Northwestern, but because of his volume and being a starter for four years... It is impressive that he's had the durability and consistency to get to this record. I think Jackson... You think that makes him the best running back at Northwestern? There's a difference between best, I guess, and... and most prolific. Yes. Yeah. Jackson has had the benefit of being pretty much the unquestioned number one back for almost the entirety of four seasons, which doesn't happen a ton in college football. He also has had to deal with, at times, horrendous offensive line play. That gives him basically no room to run. I think Jackson is a very good college running back, and I find him very enjoyable to watch. One of my favorite things 
aesthetically, watching football is when a guy just completely jukes another guy, like jukes the crap out of a guy, just because like you're on this field where these guys are supposed to be the pinnacle of human athleticism, and then someone just gets made, made like completely looks completely silly. And Jackson delivers on that a lot. I think he's a very good running back. I think it's a big deal. I think we should all treat it as a big deal. Oh, I think it has been treated as a big deal. He said it yesterday that everyone keeps asking him about it. So I think, I mean, I'm sure we're partly to blame for that. But, I mean, he's become sort of a campus icon at this point. So I think when he does break it, and I think there's... It's rather unlikely that he does it this game, considering his injury limitations and the fact that Penn State is incredible in every aspect. But I think that within the next few games, he will break it. Do you guys think that Justin Jackson has a future playing on Sundays? I think someone is going to want to take a look at him. He's a very good college running back. Sometimes those college running backs don't really translate into the NFL. Sometimes lesser-known college running backs do really well. A lot of rookie running backs have success in the NFL, and those guys, usually they're good because they have such like explosion when they run. I wouldn't characterize Jackson as like an explosion yes. type of no, he's, he's a very elusive running back. Yes. And he's proved that with the turning nev- negative yard plays into three- or four-yard gains constantly with the way his offensive line has played over the last four years. But Jackson, I, I think someone is going to want to take a flyer on a guy who has over 4,500 to 5,000 rushing yards in college. I'm sure he'll get a look. Uh, I don't really see him sticking as an every-down back at the least in the NFL. He doesn't have the explosiveness of Kareem Hunt or the power of Leonard Fournette. He's he's a very good college running back because he's durable, he's well-rounded, and he has a knack for managing to get yards even when it doesn't seem like he will. But I don't think he has any one skill that is so like far above the rest of the field that he can succeed as a star in the NFL. He reminds me of, and I think... His best case scenario, as I again, as I said, a Chicago Bears fan. Um, when I watch him play it, he reminds me some of Matt Forte when he well, played for the a... Bears. Obviously, that's like by far and away the best case, but the style is similar to me. It's not like a an explosion into the line kind of style. It's a shifty, elusive, somehow like eking out yards, not running by guys necessarily, but juking around them. Forte was also a very good pass catcher and very durable and just a very reliable guy. Jackson would have to prove that, I think, to stick at the next level. Ben, you said that you don't think that Jackson gets the 84 yards that he needs to break the record this week. Gelman, what do you think? Depends on how he's feeling. I think if he's fully healthy, he definitely gets there. Got a feeling that this is going to be a high-scoring game. If his legs or leg or whichever, whatever part of the part of his body is hurting him doesn't feel 100% I don't think he gets there just because he, he had a good game after the week after the injury supposedly popped up against Bowling Green Penn State's defensive players are much more physical and larger than Bowling Green yeah I think it depends a lot on the game flow I think I just think it would be really cool for a guy who's been so important to this program for like ever, basically ever since he came on campus, to be able to break the record at home in a homecoming game to get like the appropriate applause from fans of all colors and also from the student section who adores the guy. 
That would be a cool moment. That would be a cool moment. Uh, not in a nonpartisan way, of course. So that is a little bit of a talk about how this game is going to go against Penn State this weekend. Um, so let's just go dive right in to uh, what we think about the Nittany Lions. They're unbeaten, ranked number four in the most recent AP poll. Saquon Barkley plays for them. He's pretty good. I don't like talking about the Heisman because I think it's a dumb award. However, he is probably the Heisman front runner at the moment. A good quarterback in Trace McSorley. Loads of other talent. They've blown out most of the teams that they've played. Even the game that they've played that was close, was which was at Iowa, they put up almost 600 yards. They outgained Iowa by like 300 yards. They had 600 yards in that game. And they only it didn't scored seem 21 like it. points. It didn't seem like it, but I'm not really that sure how, because they didn't turn the ball over a that lot. That was the strangest Big Ten game I've ever seen. That was there a very is no Iowa way game. that Iowa should have come close to winning that game, and that they a, came within one second of it. Right. Penn State needed a last-second touchdown to beat Iowa on the road. As I was preparing for this podcast, I was looking through their stats, and I was like, just wow. I thought that their defense wasn't, like, was weaker, because I think that was the case last season. They had a very good offense, and then a defense that was, like, good enough, but not great. Their defense is just as good as their offense this season. So, Penn State is a very formidable foe. Northwestern gets them at home. Do they stand a chance? No. Frankly, I think that Penn State is on the same level as Alabama. And I think that any reasonable person would say that the Cats would have no chance against Alabama. I will go out on a limb and say it will be Alabama-Penn State in the championship. I will, so if Northwestern beats I Penn would, State, do we immediately want them to play Alabama? No. No. Right. <laughs> because I think any reasonable person would say that Penn State is not on the same level as Alabama. Alabama is on like a different... Alabama beat has beaten one by like 120 points over the last two weeks. We'll talk about... We can talk about that at a different time. Well, uh, Gelman, well, Penn you, State has outscored their opponents 207 to 47 this year. Kelvin, what do you uh, think of Northwestern's chances in this game? I think they could have a shot if they play the way they did in the first half against Wisconsin. And the offense... Well, uh, let, let, me, let me take it back. If the defense plays the way that they did in the first half against Wisconsin, and the offense plays better than they did, then... They have a shot. I don't know how likely that is, though, given Penn State's ability to put up points at basically at will. And just run away. Yeah. Game. I wouldn't give them a 0% chance, as Ben appears to be giving. If they can get through the first quarter and still be within, like, three points tied or leading, I might change my mind. The first quarter this year, Penn State has outscored its opponents, and this is in five games, 73-0. to zero. So if they can survive they the beginning, they, do start fast. they might have a shot, but I just I just can't see it. I like the fifteen percent chance of. Yeah, they have to follow the formula that Iowa did, which is be outplayed, but somehow yes. stay close. Basically, I think that's yeah. I think that's reasonable. I think that's the most reasonable. Um, so let's imagine a world then where Northwestern does somehow pull off this upset against okay. again a very good Penn State team. How did they pull it off? I'll start with Pope, and then Gelman, you can chime in. The offensive line has to have a miraculous turnaround, and Clayton Thorson has to have a career-defining performance. We're talking like 450 yards, three touchdowns or more. He has to be have the game that people will remember his entire Northwestern career for if Northwestern is to win this game. I would take a little bit of a different tack. I would say that the defense has to 
force a lot of turnovers. Um, granted, Trace McSorley is no Joel Stavik, but if they can force McSorley into a lot of unfavorable situations, I think that is the way that Northwestern would win the game. College football is weird a lot. And there, it's possible that Northwestern can play like an okay offensive game and somehow put up like 30-ish points. But the defense plays well enough to hold Penn State to 30-ish points. And then at that point, it's the toss-up. I am not sure that that's going to happen, but I think it'll be a game in like the low 30s. Penn State turns the ball over some. There's like some weird special teams trickery. It would take a lot, I think, to put Northwestern over top of Penn State, and I don't think it's at all likely. If Northwestern wins that game, we'll be leaving it with like a like we'll have really no idea how it happened. <laughs> well, first we'll be rushing the field. Or maybe not us, but someone, everyone else. Someone will. will be rushing the field. It'll be a little early in the day for a rush in the field, 11 a.m. kickoff. It will still be happen. a little sleepy. I will note as an aside, considering I like pulling out random stats from history. Uh, interestingly, this is only the second time Northwestern has ever hosted Penn State in a homecoming game, of which they've had over 100. Is that two years ago, the other one? Uh, it was 2011. 2011. That was not the homecoming game. The homecoming game two years ago was, was, Iowa. Oh, it was Iowa, right? When they that did not go well. Out of the water. Did not go well. That did not go well. Yes. Um, Northwestern, however, did win their most recent homecoming game against Indiana. They uh, did. Which included Kyle K. Rowe. And from going God. Odell Beckham. Yes. Yes. Breaking Odell a, Beckham with a club on one hand. Yeah. Breaking um, a three game homecoming losing streak. Three homecoming losing streak. We can interesting. That. interesting. Final predictions for this game against Penn State. Northwestern is currently, according to Vegas, a 15 point underdog. Will Northwestern cover that spread? No. No. I don't think so. I think. I, I don't know. I like this spread. This is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to make you think. It's the same as last week, basically. Northwestern did cover last week with some backdoor trickery. I think Penn State is far superior to Wisconsin. I think... I'm going to say push. Penn State wins by exactly 15 points. Wow, push of 15 is... How does that work? 35-20. Yeah, okay. That could work. 15 points. Is Northwestern really going to take three field goals, though? Given that Fitz is... Been a bit of oh. a gambler this season. I was just saying that it's maybe, a chance. Maybe they'll miss an extra point. There's a chance. Oh, yeah. There's a chance. That is all the time that we have for today. Uh, Gelman, Ben, thank you guys for being here and talking with me. I'm you glad I could laud praise on the Nittany Lions and some <laughs> moderate praise on parts of the cat. Scary, <laughs> scary young children in Evanston everywhere that uh, Penn State is coming to eat them. So, Northwestern plays Penn State on Saturday at 11 a.m., bright and early. Uh, be sure to check out DailyNorthwestern.com for all our coverage of Northwestern football, both leading up to and following this game against Penn State. Follow us at Daily NU Sport NU Daily NU underscore Sports. I mess that up every time. Daily NU underscore Sports on Twitter for live updates from the games and from press conferences. Uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe to the Daily on iTunes. Or follow us on SoundCloud so you can get every episode directly to your phone. No hassle. We'll be back next week. See you then. Yeah. All right, well, let's get home safe.